Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Monday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I am your host, literally Heather. Um, I apologize for the delay getting today's episode out. It was storming really bad here yesterday, and right in the middle of me recording my episode late, 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 late last night, uh, my computer just died. All my electricity went out, So, and my daughter has a two-hour delay this morning for school, so it gave me the opportunity to bring an episode to you guys. Um, With that being said, I hope you guys had a great weekend. I personally was... Certainly entertained by Jim Stewartson's absolute crash and burn meltdown, but the disinfo activist needs to probably find some grass to touch and hug and love. Uh, That said, today is AK Monday in honor of Mr. Stewartson. Palmetto State Armory has a Blem PSAK 47 GF5 in FDE for only $849.99. I know my AK appreciators are usually snobs about the furniture, but PSA does sell the furniture separately for further customization. Snagging it at a discount and then personalizing it is always an option. The link for this one is in the show description and in stock as a recording. If Congress has its way, that $849.99 firearm will soon be $9,349.89, thanks to a new tax that was introduced to impede on the average American's ability to purchase a semi-automatic weapon. If passed, the legislation would impose a 1,000% tax on any type of semi-automatic weapon, making the firearms prohibitively prohibitively expensive for most would-be buyers. The new bill, introduced by Representative Don Beyer of Virginia on Tuesday, comes as a group of 20 senators announced yesterday that they had reached a consensus on the key priorities of a deal to reform the nation's gun laws. I would like to state for the record here and now that all gun laws are infringements and fuck you, no. The 1,000% tax on semi-automatic weapons would give the Senate an option for further action to address the epidemic of gun violence beyond the reform that already is in the works, Bayer said in a statement. Called the Assault Weapons Excise Act, the proposal would add the hefty tax to large-capacity ammunition feeding devices and semi-automatic assault weapons, according to the text of the bill. I still have not been informed on what an assault weapon is. If enacted, the semi-automatic rifle allegedly used by the Uvalde shooter would cost $18,700 instead of its current retail price of $1,870, which is actually incorrect because the math is apparently hard for left-wing journos. You have the original price of $1,870, and then a 1,000% tax on top of that that would make the firearm $20,570. Although most Americans favor stricter gun laws, Republican lawmakers have opposed bans on semi-automatic weapons like AR-15s, which have been used in a number of mass shootings. 
AR-15s range in price from about $500 to $2,000, making them affordable for many consumers. They're common use. And most Americans do not favor stricter gun laws. Anyone looking to disarm, prevent the acquisition of firearms, or tax them to oblivion is not American. Under the gun reform agreement reached by the senators, states would be incentivized to pass red flag laws, which are unconstitutional, boost mental health resources, which we need because you guys shut the entire country down and ruin people's lives, provide funding for school safety resources, clarify the definition of a federally licensed firearms dealer, and crack down on criminals who illegally purchase and traffic guns because that's already illegal. Because buyers bill, unless you're the U.S. government, and then you can traffic firearms all you want to. (laughs) Because buyers bill imposes a tax, qualifying it as a revenue measure, it could be introduced through the reconciliation process. That means it would require approval from only 50 senators instead of the 60 votes needed to overcome possible filibusters and pass most legislation. The measure could cut through the gridlock and get it done. Byer said in his statement, the bill exempts federal, state, and local agencies, though, thank goodness, which means the U.S. military and law enforcement agencies would be exempt. They would not be subject to the tax. Yes, of course, the enforcement arm of the state should by all means be exempted, but fuck the citizens, am I right? You know, the people that you're there to serve. There is nothing that pisses me off more than being told that free men and women with the natural-born right to keep and bear arms don't deserve to be armed. Meanwhile, the state does. That's called tyranny and authoritarianism. And I'll repeat myself. Fuck you. No. Elon Musk has made a couple haphazard jokes on Twitter about his fighting style. I think he compared himself to a walrus at one point and then yesterday suggested that he would use the WWE fighting style in the ring, but the details have not yet been solidified and Mark Zuckerberg said he's waiting for Elon Musk to confirm an August date that he proposed for their possible billionaire cage match fight. Zuckerberg, the CEO of Meta, said on his new social media platform, Threads, that he wanted to face Musk on August 26th, but is still waiting to hear back from his tech rival. I'm ready today, Zuckerberg wrote in response to a Musk tweet about his preparation for the fight. I suggested August 26th when he first challenged, but he hasn't confirmed. I'm not holding my breath. The social media giants have been going back and forth over the mixed martial arts cage match since June. It originally started when Musk uh, said earlier Sunday the fight between between him and Zuckerberg would be live streamed on his social media platform with the proceeds going to a charity for veterans. Zuckerberg also responded to that tweet and said, shouldn't we use a more reliable platform that can actually raise money for charity? The potential Zuck v. Musk fight began when Musk posted on June 20th 
that he was up for a cage match with Zuckerberg, who trains in jujitsu. Zuckerberg later responded on Instagram to, quote, send location with Musk, then replying, Vegas Octagon, a reference to an event center where major MMA bouts are held. Musk, in an additional tweet, said he hinted what he thought his chances were if the fight happens. If the fight is short, I probably win, he wrote. If it's long, he may win on endurance. I am much bigger, and there is a reason that MMA has weight divisions. If there's a fight, will you watch it? Even bigger question, if there's a fight, will you pay to watch it? Okay, speaking of Elon Musk, he has once again stoked the fire of a simmering culture war on on X, X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. After apparently offering to cover the legal fees of anyone fired in relation to content they post or like on his site. Specifically, he said, if you were unfairly treated by your employer due to posting or liking something on this platform, we will fund your legal bill. No limit. Please let us know. The controversial controversial X account, Libs of TikTok, I don't know how it's controversial that that account is controversial when all it does is repost what other people post, but okay, whatever. Replied to Musk's tweet by citing a Daily Wire article from January, which said Carolyn, a streamer, was fired from her job at a gaming company for reasons that include her following the account. It caught the attention of Musk, who replied, Kara, is that accurate? She replied to Musk saying the situation was a bit more complicated than the headline suggested, but still confirmed that it was correct. Musk was vocal about the apparent presence of a woke mind virus since he launched his initial bid to buy Twitter early last year and has shared content rallying against some of the social causes, including transgender rights. In June, the CEO also tweeted that terms such as cis and cisgender would now be considered slurs on the site. It's common for employees to lose their jobs after posting or visibly endorsing offensive content on social media platforms, though just not for controversial act though not just for controversial activity related to societal issues. In May, Michelle Cerna, who is a tech worker in California, was fired after posting a video on TikTok while a meeting was going on in the background. More recently, as in this past weekend, NASCAR has suspended driver Noah Gragson indefinitely. The company said Saturday after he appeared to have liked an insensitive meme with a photo of George Floyd on social media. Gregson, who is 25 years old, was in his first full season as a driver in the Cup Series. NASCAR's top league, when Josh Berry replaced him in the number 42 car on Saturday, his team said in a statement, Legacy Motor Club announced that Gregson's suspension, saying his actions do not represent the values of our team. NASCAR said Gregson violated the stock car racing member conduct section of its rules, which says, in part, that members should not publicly disparage people based on their backgrounds. NASCAR said the suspension would be indefinite. 
Drivers sidelined with indefinite suspensions in the past have had opportunities to rejoin NASCAR. Gregson, in a statement on the platform X, formerly known as Twitter, did not directly address the alleged meme, but acknowledged his actions. He uh, doesn't make the exact connection, but his statement on X Saturday appears to support the narrative that his suspension is the result of approval of the George Floyd meme. Quote, I am disappointed in myself for my lack of attention and actions on social media, he tweeted Saturday. I understand the severity of this situation. I love and appreciate everyone. I try to treat everyone equally, no matter who they are. I messed up, plain and simple. Ooh, fuck, man, you never capitulate to the mob. Gregson's apparent like of the post was reported Saturday by TMZ because they have nothing better to do, which published a screenshot that appeared to show it coming from an account belonging to Gregson. The meme shows a photo of George Floyd's face on a crab and says, under the knee, under the knee, uh, similar to the Sebastian song on uh, The Little Mermaid. Chevrolet, which is the nameplate on the number 42 Legacy Motor Club, said in a statement Saturday that Noah's actions do not align with our beliefs and brand values. We will work with Legacy Motor Club on the next steps. I just want to really showcase the severity of this really fast. A meme came across the 25-year-old's timeline on Instagram, and he liked it. Whether that was intentional or unintentional cannot be proven. If you are a regular social media user who scrolls through your feed on any platform, you probably have accidentally clicked a heart or two that you did not intend to. By liking a meme, he did not create the meme. He did not post the meme. He merely hit the heart button on the meme. This man's entire career is being ruined. Not to mention... The meme was liked by 77,639 others. I wonder if Mark Zuckerberg will be extending the same courtesy to people like Gregson. We'll see. I won't hold my breath like he's not holding his breath. In a bizarre Chinese Lord Miles situation, China criticized Russia after its border authorities allegedly denied a Chinese social media influencer from entering the country. A rare clash between the two countries that have grown so much closer in recent years. A Chinese video blogger known as Jin Wenxin was allegedly denied entry from Russia after allegedly trying to enter from Kazakhstan. According to a report from the South China Morning Post on Friday, Jin posted a video to Douyin, the Chinese version of TikTok, and alleged that Russian border authorities treated him and his four friends like criminals and went through their luggage three times, eventually forcing them to return to Kazakhstan after they allegedly refused to comply with orders. The incident that happened on July 29th drew a response from Beijing, which has been perhaps Russia's most powerful supporter amid its invasion of Ukraine that has alienated Moscow from much of the West. 
As Ukraine's allies, including the United States and most of Europe, have issued sanctions on Russia's economy and provided Ukraine with military and humanitarian support, China has sought to strengthen its ties to Russia. The Chinese embassy in Russia said the incident was not in line with the increasingly close relationship between the two countries. We've made clear this incident seriously violated the legitimate rights of Chinese citizens and was totally out of line with the currently amicable relationship between China and Russia and the growing trend of closer exchange of personnel between our two countries, the statement said, according to the South China Morning Post. The Chinese embassy asked Russia to investigate the, quote, excessive law enforcement of its border officials and provide Beijing with a satisfactory response. According to Russian state news, Russian authorities denied their entry because of the purpose of their trip, indicating that the application for obtaining a visa did not coincide with the real situation, which is a violation of the relevant norms of Russian legislation. Jin who has amassed more than 900,000 followers on Douyin, said the incident occurred as he and his friends sought to take a road trip from Kazakhstan to Russia with stops in Azerbaijan and Georgia and Turkey, according to the South China Morning Post. In his video, he said that they had secured the documents needed to travel throughout the trip. After they were denied entry, they demanded to take our fingerprints and photos, which made us feel like criminals, he said. According to South China Morning Post, China's world domination means you must let their social media influencers in all the time, homie. Don't you know? Speaking of China and Russia, while they may have had a tiff over a danger tourist, there seems to be a bit more cohesion off the coast of Alaska. China and Russia conducted a joint naval operation near U.S. territory earlier this week, triggering a large response from the U.S. Navy. The joint operation conducted by two significant American adversaries consisted of 11 ships and neared Alaska's southwestern coast, according to Dan Sullivan, who is a Republican out of Alaska, who was briefed on the matter earlier this week by U.S. defense officials. Sullivan said the U.S. Navy ultimately mobilized four destroyers to guide the Chinese and Russian ships away from American waters. This is, an un- this is unprecedented in terms of the size and scope of this joint naval task force between Russia and China. Working very closely together, Sullivan said in a late interview. Whether you live in Alaska like I do or on the east coast of the United States, a very large surface action task force between our two main adversaries probing very closely to the United States shores is concerning. Now, I take this with a grain of salt because it's coming from a politician and it's in regards to Russia. They've cried wolf so many times that I'm becoming fairly desensitized to the severity of the issue. In addition to the four destroyers that were mobilized, the U.S. also sent P-8 Poseidon aircraft to shadow the Chinese and Russian ships away from the Alaskan coast. The ships neared the Aleutian Islands but never entered U.S. territorial waters. Sullivan added that the American response was considerably improved 
compared to a similar, albeit smaller, incident that occurred in September. The U.S. sent a single Coast Guard cutter after it noticed a Chinese-guided missile cruiser along two other Chinese ships and four Russian ships about 90 miles north of the Aleutian Islands on September 19th. I'm going to continue to press, whether it's the Obama administration, Trump administration, and now Biden administration, to commit more naval, coast guard, and marine presence and assets in this part of America. And the Biden administration more broadly needs to get serious about robust defense budgets. Oh good, there it is. We need to spread spend more money. Don't get me wrong, if defense money is going to be spent... In the U.S., I'd prefer it go to the United States over being spent in Ukraine. Uh, Brent Sadler said it's a historical first. Uh, He's a senior research fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Um, He said it's a historical first. Given the context of the war in Ukraine and tensions around Taiwan, this move is highly provocative. You know, when the warmongers start calling, I have a hard time being like, oh, you're right. Over the past three months, the number of reporters with access to the White House has dropped by 31%. There are now 442 fewer reporters with a coveted hard pass. The result of new rules announced in May that took effect Tuesday. The Daily Signal's Fred Lucas was among the reporters slated to lose his White House press credentials, although he was given a 10-day extension to, quote, submit the required materials. The White House now requires reporters to obtain press credentials from Congress or the Supreme Court to fulfill its new requirement. Lucas is currently awaiting a decision on his applications to the other branches. Politico's West Wing playbook first reported the numbers, along with news that Simon Ataba, Ataba, I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, the White House correspondent for Today News Africa, lost his hard pass. Ataba, along with the other 441 reporters who no longer have credentials, will not be able to attend White House press briefings or access the sprawling Pennsylvania Avenue campus unless they obtain what's called a temporary day pass. The White House announced the new rules in May to limit the number of journalists who are eligible for a White House hard pass. Reporters are still allowed to apply for a day pass, but they must do so daily and undergo Secret Service review. Up until this week, the White House didn't disclose the number of reporters who had a hard pass. Within the past three months, the number of hard pass holders dropped from 1,417 to 975, with those approved reflecting a mix of renewals and new applications. For me, from the outside looking in, this is very simple. It's a pushback for access to be revoked for anyone that isn't legacy media. It's a narrative protection mechanism for the propaganda machine. The less people with access, the less the American people know. Do you guys remember the meltdown when Jim Acosta was removed for his badgering behavior? This, to me, is pretty egregious. 
a spokesperson for the White House confirmed that one individual who has applied for a hard pass was denied under the new rules. The White House didn't disclose the reporter's name. The six rules outlined in the May memo require reporters to be employed full-time at an organization that disseminates news, lives in the Washington, D.C. area, regularly accesses and covers the White House, and submits to a Secret Service investigation. They also now require pass holders to first obtain accreditation by a press gallery in either the U.S. Senate, U.S. House of Representatives, or the Supreme Court. Um, The story is linked in the show description. The full email from the White House press office is in that story. Uh, The memo also gives Joe Biden's press team greater power to expel journalists who don't, quote, act in a professional manner. Ataba, who regularly spars with Corinne Jean-Pierre leading stories in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and an appearance on the now-canceled Tucker Carlson Tonight. Last month, the White House press office sent him a warning that he risked expulsion if he continued to interrupt briefings in violation of the new rules. This, for me, feels an awful lot like suppression of the First Amendment right of a free press, but who am I? I'm just a mom in India, and I, I can't possibly begin to understand these big concepts in big D.C. That is your Monday edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I hope you guys have a great Monday and I will see you tomorrow. Thank you so much. Take care and have a great day. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.